please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. I am your host, Doug King. Uh, it has been a long week here in the GeorgiaCarry.org Radio booth. Um, I was just talking to John Monroe a few minutes ago here, where I sat down before the Platinum GOC microphone and started rattling on about with him about all the stuff that's coming up in the legislature, and it is going to be a awesome session. I know that we've been talking some national politics, and I had promised you guys to have Mary Margaret Oliver on this week, but um, I don't know. She's just not returning my calls. Maybe, what do you think, folks? We should give her another week? Maybe one more week of grace, because, you know, it's the holidays and Christmas spirit, and and last thing I want to do is turn into someone who would 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 be cold-hearted and scrooge-like on the this the last what 20 19 16 days before christmas so let's give old mary margaret a second chance we'll we'll wait for next week hopefully she will return my calls or or uh, decide that she really does want a dialogue and you know this thing about dialogue about guns i was talking to john monroe and it was good to see him. We were both um, lecturing at a continuing legal education seminar so that attorneys can keep their licenses. I don't know if you guys know this, but as lawyers, we have to go and take about 12 hours of classes every year to make sure that we're up on current topics. And that and you can take them in any field you want. And I was invited along with John um, to speak at this seminar today. And John was talking about liability issues, and I was talking about concealed carry issues. And afterwards, we had a little bit of a, a chin wag. And <clears throat> in, it was an interesting class. There were, it wasn't a huge class. There was only about 10, 15 people there. So it was a little more close in and intimate than most of the CLEs I've been to. So I was able to really kind of break down and get into a discussion. And one of the students kept wanting to ask me questions about, well, particularly campus carry. Why should I, why should I want people carrying guns on campus? You know, I've got grandkids, and in my perspective, I've got kids in grade school. And, and what, what good does it do me to have one nut job with his ego assuaged to come in and, and sit there and have his gun on campus? What good, what good does it do anybody? And I'm sitting here thinking, that's that's the wrong question. That's the wrong, completely the wrong way of looking at it. Campus carry is not about letting somebody who wants to carry, you know, some crazy gun and walk around school and be the big man on campus because he's got a gun on. I think the student in my class just now, I think the way he phrased it was, imagine, you know, he's got two six-shooters, one on each hip. And I kind of smiled and looked down because I thought, Oh, he's talking about my cowboy action rig. I do that. <laughs> I do that. Maybe I'm the nut job that they're most afraid of. Is that is that possible, folks? Is is your humble, lovable, sweet, good-natured, pure-hearted host truly the nut job that they are most afraid of? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, so why should we let the one nut job carry a gun around on campus just to assuage his ego. Well, the truth is it has nothing to do with ego. 
In fact, carrying a gun is the most unegotistical thing you can do. And it's always people who've never carried who have had that reaction. Okay, for, for example, so I go do this class, and I'm open carrying. Now, I'm going into a hotel which doesn't usually allow open carry, and I'm doing it anyway because I'm going to go teach a class on open and concealed carry, and I'm not going to have any sort of qualms about talking about it, and I'm going to show. I figure they could, ask, they could criminally trespass me, right? They'd try to kick me out, but if that's the angle they want to go down, then there's going to be a whole bunch of mad lawyers up there who aren't getting their credit that they need because I'm not there. So I figured that you know, things would, rules will be bent to pull this one off. But when I'm done, I come walk over here to the, the GCO Studios, open carry on the way over here, open carry into the building. This is the first time I've ever open carried into this building in my life. But I open carry into the building, and yeah, I'm, I'm making sure that I walk through the right doors so that my gun is away from all of the people who are walking around me. I make sure that I stand and wait for the elevator in just that spot so that it's, it's towards the wall and people aren't going to notice it. And then, yeah, I, I slid on the elevator, slid up here, and slid into the booth. And I, there's no ego involved. There's more of a, a sense of... Is someone going to call the police? Am I going to have to have an interaction? Am I going to have to have, is this going to be more hassle than it's worth? And that's the kind of mentality I think go, goes along with carry a gun is that, yeah, I really, I wish I lived in a world where I didn't have to do this. My goodness, I wish I lived in a world where I never had to think about carrying a gun. I wish I lived in a world where the only time I needed a gun was when I was going to go target shoot and have fun with my friends and my kids and my family. I wish that I lived in a world where it never crossed my mind to have to have a firearm. But you know what? I don't. That's not the world I live in. That's not the world you live in. We live in a world where bad things happen to good people. We live in a world where the only way that good triumphs is if good people stand up and fight for it. That evil will win over and over and over unless we... (coughs) As the good-natured, <coughs> honest, hard-working people are willing to fight for it. Think about that. We have to be willing to fight for right. We have to be willing to stand up for good. We have to be willing to support each other and uphold each other and, and upbuckle each other. And if we don't do that, then evil wins. And all of this is for naught. And so while I would rather not have to carry a gun, by God, I am grateful for the right to carry a gun. Not the privilege, not the license to do it, but the right. This is my right. This is my responsibility. If I were to carry into a school, you wouldn't have to worry about me shooting the kids because I got angry. Ever. If I were to carry into a courthouse, you would never have to worry about me drawing the gun on somebody out of emotion. And, unlike a lot of the police officers, you would never have to worry about me having my gun taken by someone who wasn't authorized to have it. Because I take the precautions necessary to make sure that everyone around me is safe. And so does nearly every other person who chooses to exercise their rights to carry a firearm. So the question is, why Why should I allow someone on campus to just so that they can have their ego trip of carrying a gun on campus? That has nothing to do, that has nothing to do with 
the rights and responsibilities. P- the people who carry firearms are by far the safest people on earth. There are statistics out there that show that uh, the crime rates among people with a concealed weapons permit or a Georgia weapons carry license or whatever you want to call it from whatever state it's issued from are the most law-abiding people there are. They are even less likely to commit a crime than police officers. I didn't have, when I was spewing this off in my class, I didn't have access to the statistics, but John R. Lott goes through this in his book, More Guns, Less Crime. It's a glorious thing. It truly is a glorious thing that we have these inherent rights and responsibilities that we can protect others. Now, I, when I, in rebuttal, I gave this student uh, an example. And I know we all know about the Virginia Tech shooting where that, that poor deranged gentleman went on a shooting spree and killed so many people with his Glocks. That wasn't the first time there was a shooting epidemic going on in Virginia. Back, I want to say it was 2000. I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I want to say it was in 2000 or right around there, maybe a year before, uh, 98 maybe. There was a shooting at the University of Virginia Law School. And what happened there was a deranged student went up and shot a professor and his assistant, then got in an elevator and came down to the quad where he was going to open fire, presumably, on all of the kids at lunch. One student, hearing the fire, the shots, ran out of the building, ran into the parking lot, retrieved a, a firearm, which was legally allowed to be kept in his vehicle, ran back into the building, and when the doors to the elevator, which had only come down two floors, think about that, opened, he opened fire on the assailant inside with a gun. He saved all of those lives because he was a good guy with a gun. And making these places gun-free zones is what attracts the nut jobs that are willing to to shoot up people because they know they're not going to meet armed resistance. If you go anywhere else and you know that 1 in 10 or 1 in 15 people are going to be carrying a gun, you say, 1 in 15, that's not even very many. No. But if you go into a Kroger or Publix on a busy Saturday morning, there's about 200 people in there. That means there's two people with a gun. And you're going to start something, there's going to be something. Because there are two people with a gun there, especially if I'm there. So this is a, just a part of the mindset. We've got to break down these people and get them to realize that, that gun violence isn't ended by prohibiting people from having guns. Gun violence is ended by making sure the right people have guns. And who are the right people? People who don't have mental illness, who aren't convicted felons of serious crimes. And I, I want to go as far as saying serious crimes because, you know, if if you are a convicted felon from – you know, some BS government made up crime that no one had ever heard of, you know, like like trafficking and state secrets or or disrespect to the flag or um, I don't know, postal regulation, mailing liquor through the post office. If that, you're that kind of criminal, I don't even think that you should have any infringement on your rights. I don't even think that stuff should be crimes. But what do I know? Right. So we are at a commercial break. I will be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. When we took the break, I was pontificating about the nature of a good guy with a gun versus a bad guy with a gun and how the, the, the question keeps getting brought up, well, 
why should why should we let you carry a gun? Well, I think first off we need to look at this in terms of it's not letting me carry a gun. You know, why do you have a right to take? Why do you have a reason to take away my right to carry a gun? What is your reason to take away my right? And when we answer that, then we can start to delve into the psychology behind it, because every answer holds keys to the underlying meaning, right? So if we start to really parse apart what it means to say you shouldn't be able to carry a gun in school or at work or wherever they want to prohibit people. Now, of course, the first answer is safety. But accidental discharges are rare. We see a lot of accidental discharges happen with police officers. I've got story after story of police officer leaving their gun in, in a bathroom, police officer having a discharge in a classroom with kids. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen that one. DEA agent he even sued saying that he couldn't work anymore because the video went far and wide. I'm sure he couldn't work anymore after that. But we we prohibit we we see that Police officers make mistakes and have incidents and have accidents, but we're still perfectly comfortable with police officers carrying guns in a school, right? So if we're perfectly comfortable with a police officer carrying a gun, what is different about a police officer than someone who is carrying on a permit? What's the difference between a police officer and me? That's the underlying question I want to delve into because no one's going to say, oh, police officers shouldn't be able to have guns on campus. No one will ever say that. So there must be some fundamental prerequisite idea that flows from this, right? There's got to be something underlying that says police officers good, you and me bad. That troubles me, okay? And I don't have anything against police officers per se, right? It's not that I hate cops or I don't want to be around cops or I think cops are all scum, one of the other students said, if you're going to the police, then they're your friend. If they're coming to you, then they're your enemy. <laughs> I heard that, and I laughed inside. I thought, my goodness, ain't that the truth? Yeah. Well, you know what? <clears throat> With a individual or a group of people who are your enemy half the time, why are they more trustworthy than a citizen? Why are they more trustworthy than you or me? And why do they have this air that they can have a firearm, but we can't? Something has to be done. Something has to give. We need to get into this mindset and open it wide. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, folks. Why do people think that a police officer on campus is good, but a, an average citizen on campus is bad? Is it because average citizens commit more crimes than police officers? No. We've we've already brushed on the fact that concealed carry permit holders from various states, Florida, where they do call it that, Georgia weapons fire, Georgia weapons carry licensees, and and different states that they have a lower incident rate of crime than police officers do. So we're not inherently bad. Maybe, maybe, it's the difference between the 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 authorized use of force. If we as citizens are not just able but condoned in using force to prevent crime, then what really is the role of the police officer? Now, we know that the Supreme Court has said that police officers are not meant to be our protectors. 
that they're an investigative body, that they're supposed to capture criminals and, and bring them before the courts for the administration of justice and that they're not meant to protect us. But doesn't it kind of shift the fundamental balance of power when we take that and make it our own again? When we are fundamentally and understood to be responsible for our own protection, our own security, and our own freedom. What an idea. Truly, what an idea. It's, it's disturbing to me that so many of us have given up our own personal freedom and, and became um, dependent on the government for security. I think that that is an abhorrent idea. I think that that is something that, that we should, as a society, recoil from, that freedom and security are intertwined, that they are an individual's own responsibility to maintain and to uphold. If you want to sacrifice freedom for security, you can do it for yourself, but you can't do it for me or anyone else. But instead, we get people who are in politics who are more than willing to make these decisions for us, that we as a society make decisions, not you as an individual. No, no, it's wrong. In fact, I'm very reticent to say anything is wrong, but I am willing with all my whole heart to say that that is wrong. We're put on this earth for a reason, folks. God made us for a reason. That reason is to love one another. That's our whole purpose and being. I think the Bible said, love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, thy soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as yourselves. Now, you know, there, there's... There's two different criteria there, and there's a lot of different meanings that have been imparted, but the only two words I hear in that whole sentence are love and love. Now, how do we, how do we show this? How do we exemplify love in our lives? By not forcing our beliefs on another person, by not using another person, and the government is using you, and you are using the government in this security for freedom exchange that's going on. And it is the most deplorable thing that I can think of. I, I would do just about anything for my loved ones. I would sacrifice myself to preserve their lives. I would take a life to preserve their bodily integrity. Uh, that's one of the criteria. You talk about self-defense. You've got that it's uh, severe bodily injury or harm is the criteria for using deadly force and self-defense, and I absolutely would. Without a question, I would protect those kids. I would protect any person who is innocent, any person who was being threatened by evil. And that's just our calling. And I think that most people who carry a gun on a daily basis see life that way. This is a horrible thing. We might be called on at a moment's notice to take a life to defend another. We make a judgment call. You can't do this without being judgmental. The person who is trying to take a life has less value than the person whose life is trying to be taken. And on top of all of this, on top of all these layers, comes this ever sense of dread and foreboding that someday I may be called upon to make that choice. And none of us want to do it. We'd all rather just be able to have a happy life without that sort of complication, without having to live with the fact that we took a life. But in that moment, in that instant, on that day, when it's the life of an innocent or the life of an aggressor, we'll stand in the gap. 
we will take on that mantle, we will stand in the gap, and we will preserve the, the weak and the innocent. And that's what it comes down to, is weak and innocent. I don't feel a lot of compulsion to protect people who should have been taking care of themselves. They have given up their duty to protect themselves and others. That's their choice. They have made that sort of freedom for security decision, and they've they've sacrificed their responsibilities, and as such, they don't have as much security because they're not willing to live up to their obligations, and that's their choice. And I'm not going to tell them that they have to. I'm not going to make it mandatory or compulsory. I'm against a compulsory military service, although it's a great idea. I'm still against it because I don't want to force people to be something they're not. I don't want to force people to do something that they don't believe in. But at the same time, it comes with a consequence. It comes with a price. And all these people who are are giving up their security and their freedom, that's their choice. Now, who is it? Where, where does the ultimate evil in this come in is when you're forced into a gun-free zone. You have to go to court, but you have to give up your security because you went to court. Now, that's horrible. What's worse is your kids. They have to go to school, and they have to give up their security to go to school. And in my philosophy and my belief system, the only way that they're going to be safe is with a good guy with a gun there. But they're telling me that you can't have a good guy with a gun there. So not only have you forced me into a system, but you've taken away not only my liberty, but my security. You've taken away everything from me and forced me into a corrupt system. And that's wrong. The government should stand out of the way and allow people to defend themselves. Who do you want standing in front of your children? Do you want them to be cowering behind a door? Do you want to have to buy them a bulletproof backpack? Or do you want to know that there's people at the school who I've trained, and I have trained teachers? Oh, my goodness, I forgot about that. Here I am arguing with this guy in my class. And I should have said, my kids go to a private school. I've given NRA instruction to the teachers so that they know what they did to do. And my teachers carry. So, boom, to you. Oh, and we're coming up on a commercial break, folks. You know, you hit that moment where you get really frustrated when you think of what you should have said at the end of an argument, but didn't. I guess maybe I took the high road. I'm going to go with I took the high road and uh, didn't stick my tongue out at, at the student. Anyway, talk to you guys in just a minute. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, you're listening to the GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. I am your host, Doug King. And looking forward, we do have a, a rather busy legislative session coming. It is the start of the first year of a two-year cycle. It is um, Governor Deal's lame duck session. Hopefully, he's not going to play more shenanigans like he did with House Bill 826. Um, campus carry kind of is languishing under the, the thumbnail of the Board of Regents. And that's something that really frustrates me with this state is that the Board of Regents has such absolute power over the legislature. I don't know why it is that way. I don't know what the, the politics that causes them to have such a sway over our elected representatives. But I can tell you this, it's awful hard to run against an elected representative in this state so there's a system that's in place that just keeps people from being able to run and that's just the way it is um 
we want to get things done. We're going to really need to do them legislatively. There's an awful lot that needs to be fought and fixed with and, and striven for, and we, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to get things in place, and we've got to deal with the people that we're dealing with, and we've got to have just something that's truly remarkable start to change face here in Georgia, and it's time. It is well past time for Georgia to start to make some real strides. You know, here we are with so many other states going to constitutional carry. It's time. It's time for us to have constitutional carry. There's so many other states. There, I mean, Tennessee has this beautiful, beautiful law that says that um, if they have a sign that prohibits you from carrying into their establishment or their store, that they are liable for all of the in accidents or injuries or whatever happens to you on their premises. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful law. I think that that's brilliant. It's not going to happen here because the business interests are too powerful, and they would never accept the liability. They don't want you to be able to defend yourself, but they sure don't want to be liable for your safety. I'm seeing so many strides ahead in other states, and we're not. We're not striding ahead like we should be. And as I, I look forward, you know, there's things that we can do to fix this. So how are we going to fix things? How are we going to make changes? We need to get a hold of our legislators. You know, I guess that's the thing that's really bugging me about Mary Margaret. <clears throat> she said she wanted a dialogue. I want to have a dialogue. I want to have a discussion with people who want to take our guns away. And that's what she said. She has called for the confiscation of firearms. Okay, so this is this is it. This is like the grand royale. This isn't reasonable blah, 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 Obama BS. This is I want to come and take your guns. Now let's talk about it. Well, let's talk about it. Come on my show, Mary Margaret Oliver. Come on my show and talk to me about why you want to take guns and how it's going to help anybody. I've given, you know, 22 minutes now, half hour of reasons why we, having a good guy with a gun versus a bad guy with a gun is the best way to do it. I want to hear from a true believer, from one of the, the liberal people who think that we shouldn't own firearms at all. I want to know why. I want to get into it. I want to debate with you. I want to discuss with you. I want to pick it apart and get down to the core reasons because I think that it's a very dangerous thing. I want everybody to be able to have a gun. I want everybody to be able to carry their gun without fear. I want people to, to understand that we are a gun culture. I want people to see someone walking down the street with a gun and a nice holster and think, oh, wow, that's a nice holster. Or, oh, wow, I haven't seen one of those in years. What an interesting gun that they're carrying. Not thinking, man with a gun, call the police. It's time to change attitudes. You know, that's one of the things, gay and lesbian community, we've seen a, a complete shift in attitudes from that it was abhorrent and you'd lose your job and even the, the suggestion of it would be enough to ruin a person to pretty much you do what you want, I'll do what I want, I don't really care, it's fine. Why can't we get back there with guns? You do what you want, I'll do what I want. If I don't want to carry a gun, I'm not going to, but that doesn't in any way mean that you can't. Why can't we be there? Why can't we be with the tolerance and acceptance and openness of people who are exercising their rights to defend themselves? I, I don't get it, and I'm never going to get it. And if you think that you've got a better argument, if you think that I am blowing smoke at, at all of the listeners of this show that 
there is a real reason that we need to ban guns, give me a call, 678-485-9963. That is my phone number. That will get you to my office any day of the week and twice on Sunday. You call me and I'll get you on the show because I want to have this debate. Anyone who thinks that they've got a good reason to argue that we shouldn't have guns, come on my show and let's talk about it. I want to hear from you. You send me an email, radio at georgiacarry.org. Tell me that you want to come and debate with me on the air. We can do a phone call interview. You can come down here to the Golden Station. We can sit here and chat. I'll even get you a water. And we'll discuss what makes your ideas so wonderful in the free marketplace of ideas. I've been in this topic and issue a long time, and I know what the anti-gunners do. I know what they say. I know how they think. Nothing has changed. The words of Solomon, there is nothing new under the sun, and I am ready for it. I want to have the debate. I want to be in the position where I can debate with you on every topic you want to bring about guns. I am with it. And there's no such thing as a reasonable restriction. Every restriction is per se unreasonable. That's my position. That's the way I'm holding to it. That's what it's going to mean. That's what we're going to do. We're going to fight. We're going to fight in the valleys. We're going to fight in the mountains. We're going to fight tooth and nail because Americans love a winner and will not stand a loser. And that's the way it's going to be. So you want to get involved? You're on the side of of truth, justice, and the American way, and you want to get things to happen and change and be good and have meaningful relationships with your legislatures, you need to know where to be. Legislative session is going to be starting up in another month. Where are you going to be? What committee hearings are you going to go to? What room assignments are there? Who's going to be there? Who's on that committee? What's their office numbers? If you don't know, how are you going to know? Well, you're going to become a member of georgiacarry.org. That's really what the up and down of it. That's how it works. That's where you come from, right? So how are we going to do this? Well, you're going to go to www.georigacarry.org, georgiacarry.org, and in the top left-hand corner, you're going to click Join Now. When you do, you'll be taken to a page, so you give them your basic information so that they can address you by name and send you some emails with the upcoming legislative agenda. And for $20 a year or $500 for a lifetime, you're in. That's it. You're done. You're good. You know what's going to be happening. You know where to be, when to be there, and how to be there. You get emails during the legislation session, come like popcorn popping. <coughs> it really is like a popcorn bag in the microwave. In, in December, you hit power and two minutes and go. Actually, it's more like 100 and, what, 120 days or 190 days, whatever the legislative session is anymore. You type that in, you hit power, and it starts to whir. And as it whirs, suddenly you hear pop. No, oh, there was an email from George Carey. Got one today. It's been a couple of days. Then a few days go by. Pop, pop. Oh, there's two. Oh, we got something coming up. There was a, a one, and then there was a correction. They already changed the room assignment same day. Pop, 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 pop. Off it goes because there's stuff happening every day, hour by hour. Changes move in, in the room assignments. Which legislatures or, or legislators have turned and and have not held up their vow to stand up for freedom? Pop, pop, pop. More things to the emails to be sent. Here's here's a new pop with a, a draft email of what you can say to your legislature. Pop up two ones that you need to call. Oh my goodness, things are going to the governor's office now. And it's signed, signed die. The, the legislative session is over. And then you stop to hear the pops and it fades down because 
They're not going to bug you. They're not going to be coming at you day by day asking for money. They're not going to be coming at you day by day with, with new frightful things that you need to throw money at. Because that's not the way that we work. GeorgiaCarry.org is about getting you involved. It's grassroots, real grassroots, and you've got to be involved. You've got to be there. You've got to make those phone calls. You've got to send those emails. You've got to go down there and, and yell and scream at the Capitol. It's time. It's time to do it. So join. Join GeorgiaCarry.org. Know what's coming. Know what's going to be there. And in the end, you'll be a much more informed, probably a much more angry voter, <laughs> as you'll find out just how the sausage is made behind the scenes and how frustrating it is and what it means to be a truly informed citizen. I wish that every American government class would force their students to be involved like this in an organization because they would learn so much and go out there and change the world because people who understand how this system really works are willing to go out there and change the world because the world needs changing. The, the backroom deals and the party politics all needs changing. All this needs to be upheaved and, and to be set back on course and it's time for us to start to do that. And we need to do it as a group. We need to do it as a culture. We need to do it as a community and a society. But we're only going to get there if individuals are willing to do the fighting. And now is the time. This is the call for you as an individual to get out there and fight. And if you won't listen to me, then listen to someone who you do trust because it's time. And it will not go on without you. Without your individual help, it will not go on. The change cannot happen with just one or two or ten people. It requires everybody. It requires you. So look ahead, realize that you're needed, and join GeorgiaCarry.org so you have the tools and the information to be able to affect that change. We're at a commercial break, folks. I'll be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So, I know that a couple weeks ago I did the, the buying guide episode for the holidays and told you guys to go all out and buy a AR-15 or buy a handgun because the way the market was, the market dynamics were going to be driving a, a, a decrease in prices that we aren't going to see for at least another 16 years. Well, folks... Apparently, listen to me, because looking at the numbers from Black Friday and everything else, the number of gun sales has gone through the roof this month, and it's a supply and demand issue. People are jumping at these wonderful, wonderful deals that are going on out there, and it's very encouraging. It's also kind of a slap in the face to every anti-gunner out there, you know? The, the numbers speak for themselves. The market speaks for itself, and you can... I'm afraid that market dynamics are, are a bit of a mystery to most anti-gunners. I think that most of them are liberal, and they don't really understand things like the free market, and you'll buy what we tell you to buy, like Obamacare. So go buy it, because we told you you had to. Otherwise, you go to prison. Oh, look at it. People are buying it. It's wonderful. Look at how wonderful it is. We've got like 15% of people opting to, to, to play ball with this thing, because they're under penalty of jail, and that's a market just... Oh, doing the thing market should oh please. Anyway. But the the gun sales are up. Uh interest in firearms is up. And so let's take a look at this in in the broad perspective 
First you go and you buy a gun. The next thing you need is ammo. Ammo sales are going to boom. That's going to lead to higher ammo prices. So this is the moment to get in on your ammo. I think you should really be rushing on that. And then the thing after you have guns and ammo is training. Now, this is something that that is always a hard one to argue with because the anti-gunners say, well, you don't have to have any training to get a carry permit. No, that's true. But most people do get training. Most people want to know how to use what they do, what they have. And the flip side is for years we allowed people to get driver's licenses without training. So, I mean, think about that. And even now there's millions of people on the road here in Georgia who have no formal training in driving. (laughs) But we give them a multi-thousand-pound death machine and let them go careening down the streets with little or no supervision whatsoever. So of the two, I think I'm a little bit more comfortable with the idea of people carrying guns than people driving cars. Um, look at the number of fatalities and road deaths versus people who are victims of gun violence. It's, it's We debunked that with AJC, you know, and we were using their rag here a couple of years ago, and that, that I think that's a real fun one to do, is to debunk those numbers. But... Um, it's time to start thinking about training and getting good training. And, you know, best training you can find is NRA training and GCO training and training from a licensed and, and a bonded instructor, someone who knows what they're doing and has taught this for years and knows your particular field. Some instructors are better with men. Some are better with women. Some are better with new shooters. Some are better with advanced shooters. All takes different techniques and skills to be able to get people comfortable with every step. Um, I like to be with someone who's a little more intermediate. It's it's kind of hard. My hardest thing I ever do is try to explain sights. Uh, I the way I learned how to shoot. I lined up the sights. I pulled the trigger. I saw where the bullet went. I lined up the sights. Pulled the trigger. Saw where the bullet went. Kept doing that over and over again until I figured out where the bullet was going to make the sights line up with where the bullet was going. And then then I had it. I wish I had a way to circumvent that and, and scrunch it down into being really quick and easy to, to do. But basically, I think everyone has to put a big piece of paper up and then see where they're hitting versus where they're pointing. And if they get the two of those things lined up, then you're you're going to be a great shot. Some people are better at it than others, naturally. And some people, it takes a lot of honing to get the bullet hit to line up with, with the sight picture. But either way, you put in enough rounds, you get to that point of proficiency. And every gun's a little different, and getting used to the different types of sights. I know there are some sights I see really well. Uh, Desert Eagle sights and Beretta M9 sights I see really, really well. Most of the 1911 sights, unfortunately, at this point, I don't see so well. It's just a different type of sight picture and a different way that the gun feels in your hand. And so I gravitate towards the guns that I can shoot well and shoot better. And um, most of the old revolvers are really early 1911s. I, I don't have a, a snowball's chance of seeing those sights ever. So it's just more of a point shooting deal. And point shooting can be very effective too. So learning different techniques and, and getting really getting into the craft. And I think that that's something that is so fascinating about firearms because there's so many layers to this. It's not just being able to pull out a gun and point and shoot and get everything in the 10 ring. We're not playing darts, right? There's also movement and dynamic movement. There's also different sports, shooting with different types of guns, shooting in different environments, shooting cowboy action, 
<laughs> shooting bowling pins, shooting different reactive targets. And then there's also learning about the history and the, the design and the, the way that the firearms evolved over time and the cartridge design and, and ballistics and the math involved. And, oh, it's all so interesting. I just think it's all interesting. And so find some courses that teach you these things. Get into reloading. Yes, the ammo is going to go more expensive. Trust me. Reloading would be a great way for you to really get into the craft of how ballistics works and to really feel for what's going on with your cartridges. You know, polishing the brass and popping the primers and repriming and, and getting the exact perfect load for your firearm as far as the powder and bullet weight and seating depth. All these are things that, that just flow one to the next and help you understand your firearm better. And these are the things that really denote the, the careful craftsmanship to the trade. Getting a good holster from Stephen Malice, because who else would you buy a holster from? Um, wonderful things that you can do to, to really envelop yourself in the world of firearms. And get your family and friends into it. I, I have friends from grade school who are getting into firearms for the first time in their lives. I've known them my whole life. My whole life I've known them, and they're finally getting into firearms and learning all of the neat stuff you can do with a gun and and all of the different wonderful sporting events that are available to you. Everything from from action shooting to zombie shooting, right? A to Z. It's all out there. And this is a glorious time to do it. This is the holiday season. People are having fun. There's nothing more fun than going out in the backyard and popping off some rounds at a target, of going down to a local range and being able to enjoy yourself and giving some gift cards for your local range so you get some range time in. It's a glorious thing, folks. We're all having fun, and we're enjoying this gloomy, rainy weather which we were desperately needing. It so much reminds me of Alaska right now in summertime. This is, it's just like Alaska in the summer. It's, it's a beautiful thing out there. And I hope that you take some time to really get somebody excited about shooting sports. You know that most of the, the local high schools have an air rifle team? Yeah, they shoot BB guns. How awesome is that? Who even knows about that stuff? It's, it's like a, it's the stuff that you keep stuck in the corner and, and hide. And I, it really frustrates me, the ideology of public high schools where they don't want to get firearms in kids' hands. You know, there was a time when firearm safety was considered to be a prerequisite for graduating school. I think we need to go back to that time. I think that if you're going to teach kids stuff, let's start teaching them stuff that's useful, like not being afraid of guns and being able to feel proficient with them and learning how to shoot and learning how to defend yourself and learning how to drive a car and learning how to balance a checkbook and learning how to cook a grilled cheese sandwich. If you can graduate high school and not know how to cook a grilled cheese sandwich, there is something wrong with our society. Okay. I mean, just flat out. This isn't rocket science. You know, you got two pieces of bread. You got some butter. You got a piece of cheese in the middle. Maybe even not even real cheese. You can do use American cheese, which isn't really cheese. And you just fry it a little bit, and you flip it over, and it's nice and golden and crispy. And you have some tomato soup. And I am so hungry right now. It must be lunchtime. We're getting real close to it, I guess. <laughs> Maybe breakfast time. But if you don't know how to do basic things, what are we teaching you? I mean, sure, you, maybe you, you're a whiz with the Pythagorean theorem and you know how to figure out your hypotenuse of your triangle. But if you can't grill a grilled cheese sandwich, we're, we're raising a generation of idiots. 
And firearms ownership and, and understanding how to use a firearm or understanding how to use a car, understanding how a car works. I don't expect you to be able to take it apart and put it back together, but understanding that applying pressure to the brake is a hydraulic function and that there's a reservoir of brake fluid that goes down to a caliper and pushes pads in onto a rotor and that causes the car to brake kind of important understanding that there are are planetary gears in an automatic transmission that they go around with with automatic transmission fluid and that the fluid pressure causes the gears to shift kind of important understanding that there's oil that has to be changed and fluids that have to be changed i mean these are just basic things that you know we we kind of just have glossed over we're we're going to spend hours talking about climate change in high school biology but we're not going to spend any time teaching you how your car works or how to protect yourself or i don't know folks it's time for us to do something we we we've We've delegated our responsibility to our kids to a public school system that has failed them in every way, which is imaginable and possible. We need to get more involved, and I see that. When you get involved and you start to teach kids how to learn, that's something that they don't teach them in school. They, they like say, well, we'll spoon-feed it to you, but that's, not, that's no good. That doesn't serve them well in life. We've got to teach them how to do it themselves. We've got to teach kids how to learn so they will go out and learn on their own and draw information from various sources. And everything is a learning opportunity. Get in with your kids. Get in with your neighbor's kids if you don't have kids. Find a kid and help a kid this week. That's what I'm going to tell you to do. Go and help a kid. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'll be here next week, hopefully with Mary Margaret Oliver. I will talk to you later. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.